in Hebrews 13, and I'm just going to start reading in verse 1, all the way up to the 25th verse. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So this is Hebrews 13, verse 1. It says, Let brotherly love continually continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. We seem to do that a lot here. <laughs> For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. That, unawares. That's quite a, a verse. Remember them that are in bonds. That are, in, that are bound up, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body, knowing what it's like to suffer. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conversation, let your lifestyle, the expression of your character, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he said, he has said, I will never, no never, no never in any other way ever leave you nor forsake you based upon Joshua 1 verse 5 and countless other scriptures. Verse 6, so that we may boldly say, and the boldness has to do with that love that casts out fear, and we can be bold in 1 John 4, 17 and 18, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Where does all our help come from? Him. And I will not fear what man will do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you. And rule there is guide, so we want to make that correction. Re remember them that are the guides that, that to Christ that God, having given Christ, has given those to, through Christ, to guide you and rule over you in terms of guiding you to Christ, who have spoken unto you the word of God. And of course, we know the word of God in John 1, 1 is Christ himself. Whose faith, whose absolute dependence on Christ, follow, considering the end of their lifestyle, Jesus Christ the same. And this is quite a verse here. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, eternally, and today, eternally, and forever eternally. Jesus Christ the same yesterday in time, today in time, and forever till the end of time. And as a result of that, do not be carried away with many different and strange doctrines, teachings that aren't of Christ. For it is a good thing that our mind and our emotions be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts, those, those creatures, those sacrificial animals, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Notice that? They're without the camp. Structured, organized Judaism. Structured, organized, so-called 
religion. And remember, God is not the God of religion. He's the God of relationship. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify, set the people apart unto God, sanctify the people, and it was with his own blood. And the reason why it was his own blood was because his blood had, did not have the sin nature passed on. So he could do that with his own blood as the, as the type uh, and fulfillment of all those types of those sacrificial uh, victims. He suffered without the gate. He suffered without the gate, without the camp. So as a result, let us go forth. Notice that. Let us go what? Forth. If we're not going forward, where are we going? We're going back. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him. Why? How does it say? To go forth unto him. Because we're following him in Hebrews 12, 1, and 1 through 3. He's the great file leader. We follow him. He never asks us to go anywhere or to do anything where he himself is not leading us. So let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Isn't that something? Christians, we know, and in Philippians 1, 28 and 29, it's given unto us not only to believe on him, to receive everything that his person and through his person, the work that he accomplished and all those truths, we're also to suffer with him. It's given unto us to suffer, to bear that reproach. And of course, we can only do that as he's leading us. For here on this earth right now, for this time, we have no continuing city. Why? Because the world system in 1 John 2, 17 is on a collision course with eternity and will no longer be in terms of time in Revelation 22 and verse 11. So for here, we have no continuing city, but separated from that, we seek one to come. By him, through him, because of him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. In the future, very near future, possibly even the week coming up, the next week or two, we want to get into the sacrifices and the offerings, of course. And this has to do with the, with the book of Exodus, the second of the Pentateuch and then Leviticus, and just to see what these verses mean and what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was teaching those Hebrew Christians that were in Christ, but were going back to the camp, back to the law, back to works, when Christ himself was the sacrifice that finished everything. We're going to see where, where it says in Hebrews 13, 15, we let by him and through him let us offer the sacrifice. What is that? He himself, the sacrifice for each of us. The sacrifice of praise to God continually. How often? Well, Ephesians 5, 20, be thankful for all things. Notice that. Be thankful for all things. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, be thankful 
in all things. So we're to give the sacrifice of praise continually to God that is the fruit of our lips, what he's accomplished in each of our lives. And then as a result, that fruit that he's accomplished will be the means that we're able to even give the thanks. And notice it's, it's to his name. That means his person and the accomplishment of his work. Verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That goes into giving. Giving is, is a sacrificial worship to God. Verse 17, obey them that are your guides that God has placed over you. Notice that. Obey them that, have, that are the guides that are over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Verse 18, as a result of all of this truth, in the order that we see it, in those first 18 verses, 17 verses, pray for us. For we trust, we have a good conscience, and in all things, willing to live honestly and openly in the presence of God. Verse 19, <clears throat> But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. And of course, in terms of fellowship. Verse 20, this is the verse we want to get to, even though we'll read to verse 25. Here is verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete, finished, perfect in every good work, as that work works in you with your will submitted to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, which could only be through Jesus Christ in each individual, to whom be glory Christ himself alone, Isaiah 42, verse 8, he will not share his glory with any, anyone other than his son. That's why you heard, you heard even before Jesus went to the cross and actually finished it, that in John 17, in verse 4, he had already finished the work. Never would have even been able to go to the cross if he hadn't already finished it. And furthermore, they heard the voice of, of God himself about his son in John 13. And we see that in 31 and 32, that he was already, he had already, even in John 13, glorified the Father. You think about it. Even the fact when he washes our feet in John 13, 1 through 7, when we see when he washes our feet, what does that have to do with? The glory of the Father through Christ who accomplished it. What an amazing thing. And so now, and again, the God of peace that brought again the dead, spiritually separated from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work, to, to do his will, working in you. See, his will has to be worked in us. 
working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, of course, only through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory unto the ages of the ages of all eternity. Yes, settled, amen, and we agree. Verse 22, and I beseech you, brethren, allow the word of exhortation. Allow it in your lives. For I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know you that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, and with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. Salute all those that have the rule that are guides over you. Salute them, honor them, value them that are guides over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Be, grace be with you all. Amen. Really what is being spoken here, and we can see this clearly in the scriptures, we read about the eternal covenant. Now the eternal covenant, and this is going to be, this is what I'm going to be, obviously by God the Holy Spirit taking the things of Christ through a vessel and showing them unto all of us, all of us what is ours. This will be a booklet. This is ready to go, even, even in this form. But again, the eternal covenant here of Hebrews 13, 20, what we see was it was not between any other created being. It was only between the God of peace and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's brought out in Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 20th verse. The condition of that covenant was the obedience unto the death of Jesus Christ to the Father. We see that it was just between the Father and the Son. No one else could be there. Its ground or its very foundation, what was it? It was the shed blood of the Son, who would not only be the great high priest who would bring in the victim, but he himself would be the very victim that only he as himself as the high priest could bring in. This brings out beautiful truth in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, in verse 14 to 16. But again, here it has to do with the shed blood of, of the Son of God in Jesus Christ, who would become the Son of Man as a result of it. Its issue, what it issued in, was what? An eternal covenant. He fulfilled in time the eternal covenant. Now that is the great fundamental, the great foundational transaction between the Father and the Son. Again, no created beings are seen there at all. Hebrews 13.20 brings it out clearly. But the truth, the beautiful truth that it had to be and could only be between the Father and the Son, because of that, because of that, believers become, they become, apart from works. We see that in, he, uh, in Romans 11, 5 and 6. And we see it clearly. We see it clearly in the Scriptures in Galatians 2 and verse 16 to 20. It was apart from works. Those that come, that receive it, are the blessed beneficiaries of that eternal covenant. Something that happened could only happen between the Father and the Son, God the Father and God the Son, and that you and I now can be one with it, apart from anything that we ever could do. So that God can, 
and does go on and he will establish in the future, that's the millennial reign, the future, the second or the new covenant with Israel. We have as believers, the church, many today, today, literally, don't recognize the church at all because they don't understand the eternal covenant. They make Israel and Judaism and Christianity to be one whole thing. They don't understand that fact that that we already have this eternal covenant. How do we have that? What kind of life do we have now? 1 John 5.11, we have what? Eternal life. We already have that as the church. Does Israel as a nation have that right now? No, they won't. But they will have it in the future, which will be the second or the new covenant, which will be with Israel, because Israel never did, and still to this moment, don't continue in that mosaic or first, which is now the old covenant. It is here, right here, in this eternal covenant that you and I find the God of peace. God, what an amazing thing. The God of peace bringing again from the dead our Lord Jesus. You see that in Romans 8, 11. You see it. You see it in Acts, the 17th chapter and the 31st verse. He brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of who? Of the sheep. Isn't that amazing? The great shepherd of the sheep. What's that? Well, that's Hebrews 2.11. Both he that sanctifies, that's Christ, and them that are sanctified, that's us, are all of one. See, we have eternal life. We are right now experiencing, we are the, the true, proper Christian experience is to experience the reality in a proper image of this, this eternal covenant that we have right now. We don't have, we're not waiting for anything. Our look is to wait for him to come from heaven, and we see that. We see that in the correlation of Titus 2, chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. We see that clearly. We see it. But what a tremendous thing to know that we have that God of peace, Jesus Christ himself in Ephesians 2.14, that great shepherd of the sheep, one with him. That's the fulfillment. The very prayer of Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 17, the Lord's true prayer, in John 17.11, 20 and 21, that very, very prayer that Jesus would, would pray to his father himself became the answer. He's, he's the final answer. He's the beginning of our answer and he's the end. He's the complete answer for you and I. He's the answer to every single question, every single why we will ever have. It's all found, finished in him. And so because of that, because we have that great shepherd of the sheep, how? How is it that we have him with the blood of an eternal covenant? In the eternal mind of God, that was something that we see in Ephesians chapter 3, 
verses three, four, and five that was hidden. It was, it was mystery in the sense it hadn't yet been revealed, but was always the mind of God, the eternal one, who in Isaiah 57 and verse 15 inhabits eternity, being the very eternity of it. Mysteries upon mysteries, things that we have to trust God for that are recorded as God breathed out his very nature through the word which is manifested through his son, that great shepherd that we have of us, his sheep. And that was this, that, it, that is what? It's in accordance with the terms of agreement between the father and the son. Did it have a thing to do with us? The only part that we had in us on that, where that fulfillment was established on the cross in time, was our sins were on him. And that was it. This was an eternal covenant between the Father and the Son. We see that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 as God gave that to the apostle Paul to preach his first message. In Acts 2 verse 41, from 23 to 41 in Acts 2, where Peter would preach, reestablished, recommissioned, after, after tremendous failure, God bent him on the shore in John 21, 15 to 17, recommissioned him. He preached the reality of this eternal covenant. 3,000 souls received Christ. Of course, again, we know in Acts 4, 4, his second message, 5,000 individuals received Christ and became and experienced that eternal covenant. And so what do we see here? What do we see? That that, that agreement was established between the Father and the Son. And those terms are seen to be a promise from the Father. And when God promises something, in Titus 1-2 and Hebrews 6-18 and Numbers 23 and verse 19, can God lie? He never will. God gives a promise. And all those promises that God promised in 2 Corinthians 1.20 are yea, absolutely yes, no, no room for doubt, and amen, we absolutely agree in Christ Jesus. So what is it that we see here, which is so incredible for us to have and experience this morning? Those terms are seen to be a promise, as we said, from the Father, that if the Son, the very Son of God, God himself, who would ever do this but God? The Son of God himself would become a little lower than the angels by the suffering of death in Hebrews 2, 6 to 18. Shedding his blood for us in Hebrews 9, 22 and in Hebrews 26 through 28. Shedding his blood the Father brought him out from among the dead. We read it in Hebrews 13, 20. We read it again in John chapter 5 and verse 24. We read it again in the precious scriptures. We see the reality of that work in Ephesians 2, 1 through 4, right through 10. We see him who's finished it all and said, write these words, because they're true and they're faithful in Revelations 20, 5 and 6, all the way through 12 and 15. We see he that dies once dies no more. In Romans 6, 9, the, the, 
beautiful truth of Christianity is brought out in Galatians 2.20. I am each individual crucified with him. Crucified with him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, because of that where we're crucified, I live. I, exp- I, I live. Yet not I, but Christ, who is that life, lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body on the earth, I live by the absolute dependence of him. Otherwise, I don't experience the life that's mine, the life that he is in each of us. And we can see it. So the Son of Man, in John chapter 1, and verse 14, came out, with, came out and tabernacled himself in humanity, came out, never leaving the bosom of the Father, in John 1, verses 1 and 2, never leaving the bosom of it, but he came, the Son, came to earth and became obedient unto death. In Philippians 2 and verse 8. And what? And the Father indeed brought him again out from among the dead. Scores of scriptures on this. And we will give these in that booklet. The eternal covenant was kept. I want to say it. The eternal covenant was kept. That's what 1 Peter 1, 5 says. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation. We're kept. Oh, what a miracle. When we fail, when we're rejected, when we hurt, when we sin, we're kept. We're kept in 1 Peter 1, 5. We're kept. No one can ever take us out of his hands in John 10, verse 28 and 29 because an eternal covenant has been established between the Father and the Son. And he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out in John 6 and verse 37. And the same because, because being one with the Father in John 10, 30 equals John 6, verse 39. And in a beautiful, beautiful correlation in the scriptures. And so the new covenant, the new covenant yet to be made with Israel. Remember, we have this eternal covenant right now, but there's going to be a new covenant made with Israel on the millennial earth. These are the things that those that don't understand the difference between Israel and the church. They don't know the scriptures. And so unfortunately, they mockingly mockingly make fun, not of those that teach proper things, but of the very scriptures God breathed truth himself, which is yet a sad thing to see. But the new covenant is going to be made with Israel and Judah at our Lord's return to earth. We will see that. We see that in Zechariah, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 4. We see as it returns in Revelations chapter 19, verse 11 through 16, we come back with him with scores of angels to the point where it blocks out the sun as he leads us to come back to do away with, to, to do away with, with Israel's enemies to, and then to prepare them for him to rule and reign and fulfill the prayer that he told his disciples to pray in Matthew the 6th chapter in the 10th verse. What do we see here? That covenant, that new covenant, yet to be made with Israel. Why? Because the old one did they keep. No. They could never keep it. They could never keep it. But yet, here comes Christ back 
to the earth and that nation, all of that that he's accomplished, the eternal covenant and then for us, the church that we now have, and the new covenant with Israel is all of grace. It's all of the undeserved, unmerited kindness and absolute favor of God towards man. It is God's operation even instead of their response. God is waiting to be gracious. In Isaiah 30, verse 18, and that's speaking to Israel, he's waiting. What's he waiting for? The church to be completed. The rapture, which is not taught hardly anymore. The church to be caught up with him. Then the tribulation period begins, the seven-year tribulation. And then when that's finished, we come back. We come back with him. And what happens then? What happens then? Therefore, the new covenant, which the Hebrew believers, to, to whom Paul was writing, had had explained to them, was not yet in full effect. It, wasn't even, it didn't happen yet. It hasn't even happened yet. But it will. It will. Because when God speaks the word, in Isaiah 55, verse 11, and in Ezekiel 12, and verse 25, it doesn't come back void. When God says something, it doesn't come back empty. He does what he says. We see that again in Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should ever change his mind. Has he not said, will he not do it? Has he spoken and will it not come to pass? And we can see that. So as we wrap this up this morning, and we're so thankful, Father, for these things, that new covenant hadn't been yet and still hasn't been yet established. But Paul was teaching that, those Hebrew Christians, those that were already the church, that that would happen future for future Israel as a nation, not as individuals. You see, Jews today, individuals, okay? There's no such thing as a Jewish Christian or an Italian Christian. They're all one in Jesus Christ, and you see that in Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 14 and 15. But as a nation, his earthly people, that will be yet established millennial reign future. But it's all about grace. But there is yet an eternal covenant that you and I have. We have it. But for Israel, when Christ returns to the earth, then it will apply and apply only to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, those 10, those, those 12 tribes that make up Israel. The 10 in the northern kingdom, the two in the southern kingdom that make it up. As God says in the land of Palestine, he makes that clear about the earthly blessings that are described in Scripture. And you can see that when you read Isaiah the 11th chapter in verses uh, 1 through 16. You can see it clearly. But for us, we, there is yet an eternal covenant that's detailed in Hebrews 13, 20. In which according to what? To what? To Paul knows that all Christians, you and I, each individual, may be made complete in every good work to do his will, because that will is being worked in us, which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. That's each of us as an individual. 
It's, it's incredible, really. Each of us is so amazing when we think about this. It's through Jesus Christ. Not through the law written upon the heart as it was with Israel, and we see that in Hebrews 13, 21. This eternal covenant in which the God of peace and our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are the benefactors, and the sheep between that, and the sheep that was between the Lord Jesus Christ was the benefactor, and you and I as his people, as his church, his body, his bride, are the, be are the beneficiaries. We, you want to talk about how we did that in Psalm 68, verses 19 and 20. He would daily load the benefits on Israel. How much do we have in Christ? As far as the heavens are above the earth, in Isaiah 55, 8 through 10, so far are his ways higher than our ways. And it's just amazing when we think about it and when we can have this truth that God has given to us this morning. This covenant is the only covenant which believers should keep in mind as already and eternally fulfilled in its conditions and available to all his own. We have that right now. We're not waiting for a single thing. We're waiting for Christ to come back or we're going to go with him. That's the only two things. That's what we're waiting. We're not waiting for him to finish anything. We're waiting for him who has finished it. This was the covenant that was revealed to Paul when Christ would speak to him from heaven. And we can see how he separated him in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. And he went into the deserts of Arabia after being saved for three years where he got all of this truth, this heavenly truth that's ours. How far are the heavens above the earth? How far is our position in Christ above the earthly position, even of Israel? Very high, very high. Well, that was the covenant that was revealed to Paul. The Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And he also, in the same way, he also took the cup. And after, after they had that, that fellowship, that communion, that supper, saying, this is the cup. This is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. How often should we think on that? I mean, just once a month, like in a ritual thing? It's just amazing. Just do it. And that's from 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 25. This is the eternal covenant in the Lord's Supper. What's it in view of? His death on our behalf by those forever who are his. So Father, we just thank you and, and uh, we look forward to, to more of this understanding. None of us, none of us, Father, can ever, we, we won't come to the end of the accomplishment that your love and its activity through grace has done for you and I, for, for everyone here, for each individual, because that was an eternal covenant that was between the Father and the Son. It even goes in, into the burnt offering, the Holocaust, the Ola, and all those different sacrifices that were so beautifully brought out through the scriptures. And we just thank you for it. 
We're looking forward, Father. And uh, just, to, just knowing that we'll never come to the end of a love like this. Never come to the end of knowing how much you love us based upon what Christ has accomplished for us, to you and for us. We'll never come to the end of it in Ephesians 3.19. We're more than conquerors right now because we have this eternal covenant. It wasn't something that we would ever have to do. It was only something that we could receive. And that's why in Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by grace, by pure grace. And even that, and by faith, which is not even of ourselves, it's a gift of God. The fact that we can depend on him, such a gift and not of works, and that removes all boasting. The reason is, is because we're his workmanship. We are his trophies of his grace, created by and in and through Jesus Christ Jesus, that we should walk in those good steps and good works that Christ has accomplished for each individual. In the individuality, in the intricacies of, and, and complete definition of his mind for each individual, those steps that God has prepared for us because of this eternal covenant is our privilege. And so thank you for this this morning, Father. And we just are so thankful in Jesus' name. Amen.